0: You can find answers to these questions and more in our latest report, which you can download at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.
1: Welcome to this episode of the Structural Engineering Channel, a podcast focused on helping structural engineering professionals stay up to date on technical trends in the field and to help them succeed in their careers and lives. In this episode, we are talking to Chris Curvin and Mike Howren from Applied Bolting Technology. Chris is the VP of Field Bolting Specialist, and Mike is an Applications Engineer. And in this episode, we'll be talking to them about structural bolting methodologies, standards, and specifications. I'm
0: your co-host Matt Picardle,
1: and I'm your co-host Kara Green. Now, let's jump into our conversation
0: of the week with Chris and Mike. Before we dive in, we'd like to recognize our sponsor for this episode, PPI, a leader in engineering exam prep for the PE Structural Exam. PPI provides expert prep courses and study resources designed to help you pass the PE Structural Exam the first time. PPI's PE Structural course is fully updated and taught with October 2021 code references and includes new editions of their PE Structural books. PPI's live online courses include hours of lectures, problem-solving demonstrations, exam strategy sessions, office hours, and a passing guarantee. Check out PPI today at ppi2pass.com to see all the resources available for PE structural exam prep. Now let's dive into today's episode.
1: Chris and Mike, first, welcome to the show. We're so happy to have you on today. Could you tell us a little bit more in your own words what both of you do?
2: I'm Mike. I'm the application engineer for Applied Bolting Technology. Basically, I do a lot of the engineering around here as well as meet with engineers and field, teach them how to bolt, basically.
3: Chris Curvin, Applied Bolting, uh, Vice President, Field Bolting Specialist. We help engineers and field interpret specifications, and try to improve their bolt-up program on-site. We wanted to
4: deep dive into bolting for the structural engineers that aren't too familiar with the applications of it. Mike, could you talk about some of the differences between torque and tension? I know engineers, what's most important to them is to get that tension on those bolts, but they may not be too familiar with the nomenclature. Could you go into some of the differences between those two?
2: So you need torque to achieve tension, because basically torque is a rotational. It's how hard is it to turn a nut, basically. I have to torque the nut so I can actually squeeze the steel and create the tension within the fast. So torque is a way to achieve tension, but it is not what's required for AISC RCSC. This is the latest AISC RCSC manual. It's a free download at boltcouncil.org. And this has all the rules on how to do structural bolting and has the minimum values. While engineers require a certain amount of tension in the bolt, the field has to apply a certain amount of torque. Unfortunately, the field often confuses the two and thinks, if I expend this amount of torque, I will achieve this amount of tension. And that doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Now, if you'd like, I could show you basically a demonstration of that. Sounds great.
1: Yeah, that would be great.
2: So this is a Skidmore Wilhelm hydraulic tension calibrator. You, know, you tighten a bolt into it and it tells you how much tension you've achieved. So what I'm going to do is I'll tighten a bolt. I'll tighten this rusty bolt. I have a brand new bolt here. This is brand new. We buy them new, we put them out by shipping, and we let them rust up just for this demonstration.
3: It's about five days of exposure to our beautiful Vermont weather, which might be different in Plano or in San Diego.
2: So what I'm going to do, it's a 7.8 A325 bolt. The minimum required bolt tension for this bolt, as per AISC RCSC, is 39,000 pounds. So that means I got to bring that right about here, right about there. Did you read the 40? Yeah. So that needle's got to go there, that bolt to be added properly tightened. I'm going to apply 500 foot pounds to it. We're going to prove out torque and tension. Now I'm going to go to a quick computer screen that's going to show you torque is rotation. It's how hard is it to turn a nut. It's measured in foot pounds. Tension or pretension is measured in pounds. And that's the one we want. We want the tension not the torque you're related this way t equals pkd your input torque your achieved tension, your nut factor and diameter of the bolt what i'm going to do is i'm going to tighten this bolt with 500 foot pounds and see if we can get to that
3: how close we get to that 40. before you get there mike so this gun's going to sense 500 foot pounds and shut off what doesn't it know doesn't know how much tension's been achieved it just applies that
4: whatever torque you're telling it to right
2: What did we say that, Mike? We said at 500. We're going to put 500 foot pounds on it and see where we land. Give it a bump. I didn't get anywhere near 40. Looks to be like just south of 20. Yeah. This is what we got to work with T equals PKD. My input torque is 500.
4: For our podcast listeners, they basically have a Skidmore machine where they put in a, a rusty nut and they're supposed to tighten it and they have a torque gun and they essentially torque the nuts with the specified torque, 500 foot-pounds. As the engineers, we wanted to specify, let's say it was the 40 kip mark or the 40,000-pound mark. And it didn't get there, even though we're specifying that and they thought the torque gun with 500 foot-pounds would, would reach it. So it's not exactly doing it in this case.
2: So my input of 500 foot-pounds did the minimum required tension. So my minimum required is
4: 39,000,
2: essentially 40, with a inch A325 bolt. I've only got four terms here. If I want to meet achieve the minimum, something's got to get. I could possibly increase the torque. More torque would mean more intention. That'd work. How much more? I don't know. P, 39,000. There's no wavering on that. That is the minimum. AISC says, I want 39,000 pounds on every 7 inches A325 bolt. If I call AISC and say, hey, how about 18? They're going to say, put your boss on the phone. You're fine. P, 7 eighths. The bolt is what it is. So the only thing we have left is that K. And K, is a nut factor. It's friction. It's where the rusty nut threads are grinding against the rusty bolt threads. It's where the rusty nut is grinding against the rusty washer. When you want to alleviate friction, you lubricate.
1: And for all of our listeners, he's currently removing the rusted bolt from the Skidmore machine.
3: This is torque. This is torque. I can't even
2: get it off. So what's going to happen is we're going to break the bolt.
1: So the United States Construction Code, AISC and RCSE, has not allowed a standardized torque value for structural bolts since the 1950s. However, you believe that there's, this is still the predominant way to install structural bolts. Can you talk to us more about this and maybe what you see in the future?
2: Everyone's grown up with torque. Whether you worked on your old car when you were 17 years old, you had to apply some sort of torque value out of some sort of manual. It also a lot of it bleeds over from the piping industry. Piping is always bolted with torque. They are issued torque tables, and you go online. You can find any one of these books. This is free from Ajax Book, Ajax Bolt, and there's some torque tables. They're easy to find. You'd be able to find a torque table on your smartphone in about four minutes or four to four milliseconds. Everyone thinks that way. It's just always done that. way. The earlier editions of the uh, RCSC actually didn't even have a calibrated wrench or torque installation method allowed. It was taken out in the late 70s and put back in in the 80s with a whole lot of rules. And those rules are, you will test your tool with the hardware you have three times for every unique fastener. When I say unique, I mean, one, a single production lot of nut, a single production lot of washer, and a single production lot of bolt. So let's say it's A, B, C, those are all of i take three of these fasteners, put them in a skidmore, apply whatever torque I think is going to work, and then hope that needle goes above 40 or above 39 minimum, but 40, 41. And I have to do that every day. And I have to do that for every tool. If I have a different tool, I have to take three bolts and test that tool with three bolts, and every day as well. Torque installation, what used to be, you know, just go get a torque value, has turned into test bolts continuously. Because if I get a different production lot of nut for the same – Washer and bolt. I have to test it again. AISC R C S C requires more testing than any other national standard. In Europe, you would test, say, this a seven 8 by three and a quarter. You would have to test one length, and then you don't have to worry about three and a and three and three quarters. AISC R C S C says test every unique fastener assembly three times a day with every tool under whatever bolt condition it's going to be. So this one's a brand new bolt. If I had uh, this bolt didn't have the shiny, basically quench oil left over from uh, processing, I would have to test it in the condition it is to be bolted in. And that's a, a problem when torque is used, is that someone might do all the testing with the bolts are new, but in the field, that's not really what happens. They'll take a bolt, stuff it into the steel, say, we have to go do some other work, we'll final tension it later on. That K factor has changed by that time. And that torque that might have worked is no longer going to work.
1: No, I think that's perfect.
2: Let's try this one more time. Take a different skid one. 500, and the gun will shut off. So, looks like just out the third. Looks like 27, 28.
1: This is still a rusted bolt, correct?
2: Rusty bolt, yeah.
1: It's the same bolt lot as the other one, yet the
2: other one only gave me, what, 15 and broke my skidmore. We have a lot of these rusty bolts. We can do this as many times as you like. (laughs)
3: I think it's a part of the game. That's what happens. to Rely on torque to see that your bolts have been tensioned. Is that you can see that it's not created on the bolt, but the tension you're desiring—that's mandated. That's part of the specification. We're not getting it. We should give it one more time. Let me have a go at it. You have a go at it because obviously I'm going not... to see if I have the magic touch to make torque not work. But this is what's happening. You know, we have 900 foot-pounds of torque in reverse. We're trying to loosen the bolt, and just because we're applying a torque doesn't mean the bolt's been tensioned. Again, we've got a bolt that's been left outside of our warehouse here for five days in Vermont. Not the worst environment, but we can see that, if you give me a tight shot, Mike, that there's some red rust on there. That red rust, which only takes about five days again, conspires against us. We won't be able to hit the min-required bolt tension, but we'll hit the torque. And again, the torque is our interpretation, 500 foot-pounds. We're going to see if that works. And again, the gun, when it senses 500 foot-pounds, is going to shut off for us. But it's not going to know how much tension that's been developed. The skidmore, this bolt tension measuring device, is going to know how much tension's been achieved, but it doesn't care. It doesn't know how much tension's been applied. Mike is drawing out for us in the back. Go backwards for me, Mike. We're after 39,000 78 A325 volts. We're applying 500 foot pounds, and we hope to achieve the specified 39,000 for the 78 inch A325 bolt. Third attempt, this time we've achieved 25,000. So for our experiment today, we've achieved everything from, I think we had 18,000 to 30,000. In this case, just about 25. What's gonna happen to the bolt and the steel? Is the engineer gonna say, hey, 25,000 is good enough? No, no. Are they gonna say, put a different bolt diameter in? No, the only thing that's left is K. We're gonna try and change K. All right, 500 foot pounds in reverse is not gonna do it. Jack it right up to 900. We have to work this one out a little bit. So our previous experience said 500 foot-pounds would have got us there, but we have to prove it out in the field. Torque without verification? Shall not be
2: not, No charts, no equations. Torque used without verification shall not be performed or something like that. I think that's in Section 8.
3: So if we did jack this up to 900 foot-pounds to try and get above that 25 to 39,000 pounds of tension or more, we most likely would have broken the bolts in torque not tension. We didn't over-tighten it. The Skidmore says we weren't too tight, but we would have twisted the two. Do we have a torque example, torque failure example here, Mike? Yeah, we just made it. There we go. So what you can see here is a spiral to the grain of the fracture. So people would say, hey, listen, we put it on 900 foot pounds, the bolt broke. It was too tight. No, it wasn't too tight. The K factor was so bad that we twisted the bolt into two pieces. What we're going to do now is we're going to apply some stick wax. This is a Cutting tool lubricant, tap and dot lubricant. And we're going to do a few strips on the washer face of the nut and the threads of the bolt. So the threads of the bolt have been waxed. Now the washer face of the nut. Now the threads are the obvious part because we know we have threads grinding against threads. But the washer face of the nut is also going to grind against the washer itself, consuming most of our torquing effort as opposed to achieving bolt tension. So hopefully this will make our lives easier.
1: And for our listeners, they just showed us the torsional failure of a bolt and they showed essentially like as you break a bolt in half, essentially through torsion, there's essentially a circular pattern on both sides where it has sheared through. And then what he has applied onto the Skidmore machine is the same rusted bolt, but now with essentially a wax on the external threads of the actual bolt and the internal threads of the nut to help, I guess, reduce the K factor. So reduce the friction between the two surfaces. Said like a true engineer.
3: Thank you. So we're back to 500 foot pounds. Hopefully we'll get more than the tension we achieved, which is about 25. And really, what we're after is 39,000 pounds of tension or more, 39 tips. And I'll look with the trigger now, you'll hear it. And I'll give it just a bump more, and the gun shuts off for me. So there's 51,000 pounds of tension. That bolt was bad. We couldn't apply enough torque to it without twisting the bolt into two, so we lubricated it, just some simple wax to make it easier to get to the minimum bolt tension, 500 foot-pounds in this case. A greasy bolt, one that we've lubricated ourselves, have got us up to 51,000. Now, it's important to realize that black fasteners do not come lubricated. You should now ask me, what do you mean they don't come lubricated? They don't come lubricated. As Mike said earlier, they've been quenched part of the heat treat process into a water soluble oil. That oil, the rule is, has to be oily to the touch. But as soon as you expose it to the air, since it's water-based, it starts to evaporate and disappear and give you rusty bolts. So bolts aren't pre-lubricated. Galvanized nuts are pre-lubricated, and then uh, twist-off bolts are pre-lubricated by the factory.
2: The main reason we always do this, especially for the field, is that so everyone understands, they always think torque is tight. Torque on the first go-around or the first three go-arounds, torque wasn't tight. But once Crystal applied the wax, torque was tight. So you can never rely on torque, and that's why there's a lot of rules on how to apply it. You have to test it every day, every fastener, every combination of fasteners, and every tool. And every time you change an airline, let's say someone is doing a a pneumatic wrench, they have two lines of hose. If they go to three lines of hose, they have to come down from the steel and test again. So torque is only a good method if you can do all your bolting in one or two days. Anything beyond that, you're throwing money out the window.
4: I was going to ask what the uh, alternatives was. If they're not doing it in two days, what are the other methods that they could use in terms of bolting that would be more efficient or the different types of bolting?
2: Well, there's the, the twist-off bolt, which is that funny little ended bolt. I got to pick around. It's a bolt. It's got this final end, but this is, again, a torque-based device. This is where the manufacturer has, filled, has figured out the K factor, where the gun that goes on here will grab this end, as well as the hex of the nut, And when the fastener itself undergoes a certain amount of torque, a counter rotation will break that end up. This is a galvanized fastener. You'll be left with some raw steel when this thing snaps off.
4: That one's essentially, you twist it, and then there's the, I guess, the fuse in the bolt that will snap off that tells you it's supposed to have reached its uh, desired tension, right? It's
2: similar to torque installation is a pure torque device where the manufacturer has says, this is the K value, you know, this range for this bolt, which means you have to use it in as-manufactured delivered condition. If I take those bolts out, stuff them in the steel, come back tomorrow, that K factor has changed. I'm supposed to take those bolts out and retest them. When using TC bolts, they're quick and easy to use, but the problem is they will give you the amount of pre-tension you need, you know, like we need 39,000 pounds, only if they're as manufactured. Any degradation of that lubricant or that yeah, the lube that's on there changes the whole facet. It just won't work.
3: But the end still shears off, which is what the inspector is looking after. They want to make sure that the splined end's been properly severed. You wanna see one? Yeah, I'm curious.
4: I've specified these, but I haven't seen them used.
3: Pat, so what's in it for you? When you specify a bolting system, there's five pre-approved methods of installation need a TC bolt? Oh, I yeah, got one right here. I'm going to use this one.
4: You're going to bolt it. Yeah, for us as the engineer, it does depend on the application on the type of beam. Uh, the typical ones are just gravity holding up typical beams and whatnot. So for these typical standard ones, for us, we do want to see obviously the tension, but also what other effects there are. I know for like the TC bolts... We typically approve them, but I've also heard like some other things where I think down the road, since they are pre-tensioned, you might hear like banging because uh, maybe further down the line, it slips, like the bolt slips, and then you'll hear like a bang. But structurally, it's not a problem, which is kind of just like, it's scary. So in terms of the structural soundness of it, we're fine with it, but... Specifically with the TC bolts, I know that's something that we've heard out in some of the reports, they might slip later down the line. And if slip isn't critical, that's fine structurally.
3: So engineering will uh, have snug tight connections where the bolt is inserted into the hole and the bolt's only tight enough to bring the steel plies into firm contact. Usually that's done with hex heads. And we do see some people occasionally use TC bolts to snug with anyway, because they're tooled up for it. They own the gun. They have the bolts. Then there's pretension connections and slip critical connections. Both of those require bolts to be pre-tensioned or fully tightened before the connection goes live or sees external forces. An engineer would select one of those systems to tension the bolts, in your case, TC bolts. But the question, again, is why would you select one system over the other? Is one guaranteeing you that the bolts have been pre-tensioned, or are you leaving it up to the craft and the field to take care of? We usually get requests for those. So we usually have a typical method
4: for typical bolts in our specifications, but we'll often get requests from the field. Hey, can we use this type of system? For example, the TC bolts, could we use that because it's better for them out in the field for uh, whatever reason? And then that's when we have to dig into you know the specifications. What do these bolts do? And the, the RCSC, and that's when we have to see, okay, does that meet the intent of our structural design for this connection? From my experience, it is usually just a, a field suggestion. And that's when we have to do research on if it's structurally acceptable or not.
3: We're going to advance it until the end shears off using the proper installation tool. But what is the inspection requirement for a TC bolt to verify that it's been tensioned? It's that the end, has been sheared <laughs> off. So we're going to advance it. So the final one broke off.
2: Unfortunately, we're only at 30,000 pounds.
4: But you wouldn't be able to tell that in the field then, right? Out in the field, they don't measure that. And then you just, okay, it's just sheared off. It should
3: be good. There you go. There's your field insulation condition. The inspector needs to verify that the splined end's been properly severed, which it has been. Here is
2: what's in the AISC RCSC inspection. If the end fell off or came off, that's all you inspect for. So TC bolts, unfortunately, will always give you good news whether they work or not.
4: It's not because the bolt shears off, yeah.
2: Yeah, it'll always shear off. In this picture on my computer, the rusty bolts, those are all going to shear off. You will actually, your job will go faster if they're rusty because it'll just shear off sooner. But unfortunately, as that inspection says, if the end was twisted off, that's all you're required to, to look for as an inspector. And it's one of those flaws in the AISC RCSC document, whereas, you know, the end off doesn't mean anything. It means you hit some torque value,
4: but doesn't necessarily mean you hit the tension, yet, the pretension. I see. So maybe with a rusted bolt, a rusted TC bolt, it may not hit those numbers, but it's shered off. So... Oh, it will not. Hey, it's technically okay by inspection. Interesting.
2: And that's unfortunate. AISC and the RCSC committee, they know this. Typically what will happen is someone will have, take the brand new TC bolts, put them in a the skin more, tighten them three times, make sure they're good. Then you're done. You don't have to do those tightening every day like you're supposed to with a calibrated wrench. Unfortunately, that only means it works for the, in the condition they were delivered, not necessarily the condition they're in when they're up in the steel waiting for some surveying or something. When you final tension them, that K factor should, is supposed to be where the manufacturer designed it to be, but it, in a lot of cases, it's not.
3: Field exposure will degradate and affect the K factor.
2: A 10-degree shift in temperature will affect the K factor. If it's raining out, it will affect the K factor. TC bolts, a lot of times will give you the best news if you test them new, but in the steel work, all you have to do is check for broken ends.
1: For our engineers who may have a preference for this type of bolting, just due to the fact that it's very clear that they have been pre-tensioned regardless of K-factor, what's something that should be maybe like a, a best practice for them if they want to have these used on their site? Like, Should there be a day of testing that they require in order to, main, to understand the K-factor and the torque associated with the, the pre-tensioning load?
2: Ideally, they should stuff them, snug them, snap them in as-delivered condition. If a day or two has to pass, you're supposed to pull the bolts out and test them to make sure that they pass. So as the sooner... You snap the ends off. The sooner you take it out of the keg and snap the ends off, the better. Anything else between the frost in the morning and the sun in the afternoon, is no real guarantees that you will get that minimum required tension for AISC, RCSC.
3: So RCSC does not prescribe a timeline. They just say if the condition of the fastener has changed, testing should be re-performed. Do you have any advice
4: for structural engineers that are specifying these bolts? And with your experience out in the field and with these bolts, are there any things that you wish uh, engineers would know more
3: of, or tips on how to specify, or
4: things to watch out for?
3: It's just that they're torque based. They're not, and again, ASTM has changed the name of them from twist-off tension control just to twist-offs because they're torque based. So they have to be, as Mike said earlier, installed in the as-manufactured condition. If that changes, you can't go backwards and relubricate. You should retest to verify that you're still at 105% of mid-insulation tension or more in your hydraulic load cell or your skidmore sensor of bolt tension measuring device.
4: One of my big takeaways was, yeah, just because it's torque-based, it's not always going to reach the specified tension. And even though some of these tests, they may not, but it's good to know that.
3: The biggest downside to bolting is that Torque isn't tight, no matter if you're using a, torque can be tight, as Mike would tell me. Torque can be tight, but you have to keep the fasteners in the as-delivered condition, hex head assemblies, store them, keep them out of the weather. If you treat them like a commodity item, they'll come to bite in the backside. So we want to store our bolts. We want to keep them out of the weather. When we can, apply additional lubricant to make it easier, requires less torque to get to the same tension or achieve more tension with less effort even. That and training the craft are some of the more typical or critical things we need to look after in the field to make sure that they know they're after bolt tension, not torque. And just because the gun stalled doesn't mean we've tensioned bolts.
4: Before we finish off, was there anything else that uh, you wanted to add or, or show us before we finish off here?
3: We make direct tension
2: indicators, which is one of the four, uh, five bolting methods. And what it is, it's tension-based. You need uh, as much torque as it takes to tighten it and for the DTI to indicate. So we'll show you that real quick. The DTI is added to an assembly. You got your bolt, your nut, your washer, and then you have to add a direct tension indicator. That's what DTI stands for. So 788325 bolt, DuraSquirt DTI, which like we looked at. It's just a bumpy washer. But because it's got bumps, that means it has cavities where we put this little orange goo in there. So basically, for a DuraSquirt DTI, you tighten it till the goo comes out. I and see, you lubricate it. You basically tighten it till the goo comes out and then you're done. It's torque independent. Doesn't matter what my gun is set on. So when the goo comes out, my bolt is tight. I can ignore torque values. I can ignore torque tables. I don't need a special tool. I can do it with this electric wrench, a pneumatic wrench, even a hand wrench.
4: For our listeners that are listening, there's essentially a washer that has cavities in it that has goo in it. You're essentially tensioning the bolt until that goo comes out. But what it essentially means is that it's tension based. So when that washer and you see all the the goo come out, the orange goo, that means it's tensioned properly. It's not torque based. It has that compression or that tension inside that washer, and that's a good indicator. It's basically measuring what the engineers want. It's achieving that tension that the engineers want.
3: Yeah, it's a single-use mechanical load cell that indicates tension regardless of the torque. So it's like a skidmore for each and every bolt. So the worker, the inspector, and the owner can see that the bolts have been tensioned. And if the engineer wants to come out, have a look. They can see as well that the tension that they want, that they've specified, has been achieved.
4: Yeah, I think that was kind of just the the segue into, hey, here's a a more direct way to measure that tension instead of just torque. Right. Thanks, Chris, Mike. I really appreciate this. I know, especially for the engineers out there, that we don't get to do a lot of the, or witness some of the bolt installation. I just wanted to thank both of you for demonstrating that and uh, definitely learned something uh, today about the field and uh, the torque installation. So definitely appreciate it.
3: Thanks for having us. I appreciate you reaching out.
4: I hope you enjoyed the episode today. We'd love to hear your feedback, comments, and or questions. To leave them, please visit structuralengineeringchannel.com. There you'll find a summary of the key points discussed in today's episode, which is episode number 88, as well as links to any of the resources, websites, or books mentioned during this episode. Don't forget to subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Until next time, we wish you the best in all of your structural engineering endeavors.
0: at engineeringmanagementinstitute.org.